uh, obviously there's a lot of companies that are saying that they are changing the world, but very few do it in a way uh, in the way that Uber does it. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Cloud Choice Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what it takes to build the right team and skills for cloud native development with Charles Axeldine, who is engineering manager at Uber. This is our fourth podcast, so if you want to listen to the first three, you can find them in all the usual podcast places. We've had some great guests. Matt Stein, he introduced us to cloud native. Paul Miller on the changing role the CIO plays in a cloud-native world, and Abby Kearns on how cloud-native can help companies create a culture of innovation, agility, and time to market. Now, on with today's episode. One of the iconic brands we most often cite as an example of cloud-native and digital disruption is Uber. So, we turned to Charles Axeldine, engineering manager at Uber, for some insights on their success how they have built their team, and what other businesses can learn from them. Thank you for taking the time, Charles, out of your, I can imagine, hectic schedule. So if you'd like to maybe introduce yourself to the listeners, um, and we can have a, a little, uh, a quick chat. No, for sure. Thank you very much uh, uh, to you too, Dan, for inviting me. Um, so yeah, I will quickly introduce myself. So I started uh, working at Uber uh, actually five years ago exactly, yesterday. So I, yesterday was my fifth Uberversary. Um, Uber is a, is a fairly young company, so um, I, I really got the chance to, to go through uh, most of its growth. Uh, I'm currently an engineering manager on the payments team in Amsterdam. Um, and so I manage a, a bunch of different teams. And what's really interesting about payments is, is it's really part of the core experience for Uber. For most companies, it is a, a kind of necessary evil. But, but for Uber, what's really interesting is, yeah, payments is, is really core to the experience. Well, yeah, I'm, um, I'm a very enthusiastic customer of, of Uber. You know, I travel um, um, with my role. So I, I head up a cloud team um, across uh, across Europe. We're really, really focused on, on cloud native. So I'm a, well, number one, I'm a, I'm a great customer of Uber. But number two, I, I always speak about the, the, the Uber the Uber business model. And we, we always use Uber as, as one of the examples of one of these fantastic um, uh, companies of, of innovation. So if, if I could ask you, uh, Charles, um, how, how has cloud native, how has cloud native development, you know, how has this been a part of Uber's success? If you could maybe go through that for our listeners. For sure. Um, so what's interesting about Uber, it's, uh, it's really a mobile first company, right? Like the, one of the main reasons Uber was able to be so successful is because of the pervasiveness of the GPS chip on the phones, which allowed uh, a completely new dispatch engine. Um, and so... Right from the start, we were like a mobile first company, but obviously it's much slower to iterate on the on the front end. And so that's why we sought to put as much logic in, in our backend uh, so that we could deploy new features for our customers uh, as fast as possible. And here the, the native approach, uh, uh, sorry, the, the cloud native approach was really critical to allow that speed. So in, in terms of some of the advantages to Uber and to, to the customers um, in developing software, can you maybe give us some insight as to, to 
how how these um, advantages are um, when it comes to um, you know developing software, you know especially developing software in this cloud native way. For sure, I mean yeah, the, the first one is definitely velocity and and developer productivity. Uh, when you have a cloud native approach, like you can be so much faster at releasing new features for our customers, and obviously this is really critical in a world where there is so much innovation going on. Um, so I would say, yeah, velocity uh, uh, is really critical. Um, and then the second reason is, is security. Um, there's quite a few flows uh, that absolutely need to uh, to run on the backend, um, and and so that's why here again, like the the, the cloud native approach allows this to happen, um, as opposed to to uh, using native applications, for instance. So can you tell us a little bit about how you use cloud native to keep proving what you offer? Um, like for example, how quickly can you go live with a new feature? Yeah, so so we use cloud native to um, to test uh, and and validate new features. Um, so typically, when we have an idea for a new flow or new feature, we will test it, and um, and so and and then we will um, run an experiment. Uh, we're going to do what we call A/B testing. So we're going to uh, test the uh, uh, the new feature with approximately half of our users, for instance, and then this will give us the, the confidence that we can release uh, the feature. Uh, safely to all of our users. Um, and then in terms of speed, um, it really depends on the feature. Uh, obviously, there are some that where we, we take a slower route because we want to really play itself. Uh, but for some feature, it can go as quickly as like a few hours. Um, and for others, it can be a few weeks or a few months. And we typically use a phased rollout. Uh, so what this means is we, we can continue to test, to monitor, to iterate, and roll back as we need. And this gives us a lot of flexibility. So, with the, in terms of culture, so the culture within the, the actual teams that 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 you you're working with, um, did you have to change the culture, or, or was that something that existed already when you came to, to Uber? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much that something that that already um, existed in the in the organization, um, in the uh, especially through the, the hiring that we did. Um, but it's it's a constant investment. Um, there is, I mean, obviously, cloud native is a fairly recent uh, trend, and so we we are still discovering and we are continually iterating on our processes um, to to improve again our velocity and the reliability at which we can uh, ship those new features. I, I can imagine it's it's probably quite easy for Uber to attract you know the the, the young guns of the industry, the bright talent. Um, I will have to admit it, it's a lot more of a challenge for for us working in the financial services. Young guns aren't as attracted to to working for what they look as kind of traditional um, industries like banking. Um, but tell us, um, do you find it hard to, to find these these skilled workers who understand cloud native? Yeah, it is always difficult. Uh, I think hiring remains like one of the top challenges for any company uh, that wants to co- to compete in the digital space. Um, but I think the way the way we attract is at the end of the day, it's all about the impact that we have and the product that we are building for our customers. And 
And so here we are lucky because uh, obviously there's a lot of companies that are saying that they are changing the world, but very few do it in a way uh, in the way that Uber does it. And so usually, like Uber's employees are really excited about the impact that we have, especially if you think in terms of even impact on the physical world. Uh, so from allowing drivers to make a living, uh, from lowering uh, driving under the influence rates, uh, from providing reliable rides for everyone. Um, so yeah, that's. That's probably the unique thing. And then, I mean, sure, like in the just like in the finance industry, I, I can understand why this concern would exist. But actually, finance and providing banking services to everyone is such a core need uh, for everyone uh, that I would actually see, say that it's actually an area where we should be able to get people excited about this impact that we have. And obviously, on, on my team, we work on payments, and payments is, is so critical. It's such a critical need for everyone. So sure, like those needs are probably less uh, on the surface exciting than some of the other needs but they are actually so basic they impact so many people that it is a source of motivation in itself I think Charles I'm going to bring you on my next recruitment drive when I'm looking, looking for a young talent <laughs> you really have a good way of, of, of motivating so, uh, so so that's it you're, um, you're going to be coming with me the next time um, <laughs> for sure so the skill sets needed obviously are, are in high demand uh, and people, you know, they can cherry pick uh, where they end up. So uh, with this in mind, so how can organizations excite new talent and um, present themselves as the place to work? Um, and I'm going to use this to try and, and, and recruit uh, new talent. Yeah, I think it's, it's all about articulating the impact that the company has. Because in the end, cloud native is, is really a way to achieve an impact. Um, and I think the best way, um, the best way is, is really to, to really surface what this impact will be. Um, that's probably the first one. The second one, and uh, perhaps we'll, we'll have a bit of time to, to chat about that, but is really the learning opportunities. Um, uh, because obviously, I mean, this is a very rapidly evolving field. There's a lot of learning to, um, to happen. And, um, and I think this is really a source of challenge, of really interesting challenge for individuals, uh, individual developers uh, who want to really improve their skills. So, I mean, you, you mentioned training. So, um, so imagine you have well, when you have maybe a new recruit who, who maybe doesn't have the same experience as, as some of the other, other members in, in the team. Have you got within Uber? Have you got some specific methodologies or, or ways of, of working to kind of to, to bring on uh, this new talent? Yes, um, there's two ways. The, the first one is continuous education. Um, I mean, training is really a critical aspect of any engineering team, and so this is really an area where we invest in. Um, we invest uh, in it, so both, we have both like a, a set of courses on topics that are really specific to our staff's current work, and we also have courses uh, that are unrelated, and we allow people to kind of choose between those different uh, topics so that they can also grow their career in, in the direction that they want. So that's the first thing. The second thing is on-the-go learning. Um, and so here we, we um, I mean, oftentimes, like, it's really through the challenges that you get confronted with that you get to really learn. Um, and so, and we're fortunate at Uber to have quite a few challenges that are really interesting and really unique. And this is a way we also train our staff. And, and in terms of getting this balance right, because I, I can imagine, you know, it, it being such a fast-paced company. So how do you get the balance right between 
between you know people being productive um, but also keeping them trained trained up up to the minute yeah that's a good question um, well we don't really try to keep it balanced um, I think p- people naturally evolve toward like having an impact um, and so they will naturally find the right balance between like really improving their skills and using their skills. Um, so this, this is, we don't really have like a formal approach to it. We have never found it to be a problem. Quite recently, I, I went to visit a Pivotal um, in London. Um, and it, it was quite interesting to see that the guys working, you know, in pairs, you know, pair programming, um, and it, it looked qu- quite intense. But also, what was interesting was, like, within the the offices, um, um, the, you know, the fact that it, it was like home from home. In, in fact, it was probably more comfortable than even my own home. Um, there was beer on tap, um, you know, these uh, sofas. So, so, so that type of environment, you know. Um, is, is a lot different to, to the environment like I grew up when I was a young developer you know w- way way back um, so is that something that, that's important for Uber like building that environment um, you know w- within the company it's like nearly even a second home so uh, on pair programming definitely this is really something we strongly believe in uh, we, we this is really a, a practice that we use a lot um, yeah, it's interesting because pair programming is so this idea where by having two people working on the same problem, you get more than two by having uh, each of those two people like working each on different problem, uh, which can be counterintuitive. But it's, it's actually you get a lot of higher quality code and much more sound uh, solutions, uh, much more flexible as well. In terms of home, uh, office becoming the home, um, it, no, it's it's not really a goal. I mean, we, we have to realize that our um, offices and our team have to be inclusive. And, um, and at Uber, we have a more pragmatic approach where, yes, we want, obviously, the workplace to be really comfortable and to people for people to have a, a great facility so that they can really do their best work. But in the end of the day, we also want to, to uh, for people to have a life outside of work. And so we, we really try to, to find a good balance here. Uh, so, so for instance, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it really depends. But in, in our offices are a bit more functional than they are like really uh, um, that, than you could find in some other tech companies. Now, uh, so I, I could imagine, um, so any uh, you know people who who work at Uber, um, I could imagine then you know their their skills are, are obviously then in, in in high demand. So. Um, so, do you find when when you know you've worked hard to to bring in the right people and then de- de- develop the right skills, um, have you kind of different methodologies um, in place to, to to make sure that that they, they stay with Uber um, uh, and to, to kind of qualify that that you know that that, that they that there is longevity in, in their careers within Uber? Yeah, absolutely. So. In the end, it always comes back to the impact uh, that people want to have. And so what we try to do is we try to make sure people work on projects they are really excited about and that they learn from, from those projects. And so, yeah, once again, like we, we, uh, we really want people to, to have this kind of like sense of purpose and, and, uh, and this has worked great. The, the other way we do that is by really encouraging internal mobility. So a lot of teams, a lot of companies allow internal mobility. But at Uber, we do more than that. We encourage internal mobility. Um, and we, so we constantly gather feedback 
about like how people are, are feeling about their work and really encourage people to kind of explore new teams, explore new problems so that they can really find uh, find the kind of problems they're really excited about. And again, like we are lucky because at Uber, there's such a wealth of different problems um, with, again, some of them really unique in the industry that we are really able to provide this kind of uh, different opportunities for growth. So, for example, if, is there is there a, yeah, an opportunity for, for, for people within the organization if they have maybe a pet project that's on the side, you know, an idea that's kind of related to, to, to what you're doing as a business, that they get a chance to maybe explore the, uh, that idea and 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 actually you know do do innovation in parallel to, to you know to the work that they need to do to to, to to get their their day job done do you encourage that absolutely absolutely yeah that's possible um, we we do encourage uh, people to keep in touch with with their team and the different relevant uh, uh, stakeholders um, um, to make sure that this is aligned with with like the, the different like company goals but yes uh, and the second thing we do is hackathon um, so hackathon is like this informal kind of encounter during like usually one to two days where people meet as a team uh, like they can build up team with like really different types of profiles and then they build some kind of prototypes they, demo, they show it and sometimes it also becomes a product and there's like actually quite a few uh, uber products really well established uber product that started as like kind of a prototype uh, build during a hackathon. Can you can you talk a little bit about the the Uber approach to DevOps? Yes. Um, so here, like Uber doesn't have like a really a single approach. Some teams do use like a DevOps approach, um, but most of the teams um, and organizations like adopt a more layered approach, where like the infrastructure team exposes interface and platform that then other uh, product team will use. So it's a bit more like a, a kind of a, a platform approach where you use like self-service interfaces and tooling uh, and usually yeah, the team will choose the best approach that matches like the, the, their need for speed or like their need for safe and, and reliable delivery it, it really depends I'm, I'm seeing there's a you know a big interest in in well in cloud native and then there's a huge interest in in in, in the different types of platforms platform as a service and also there's a huge interest in you know docker and and, and kubernetes so those type of, of technologies is, is that something that 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 you guys look at or, 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 or work with within Uber? Yes, we we work with Docker, we work with Mesos, we work uh, uh, with with some of those technologies. Yes. Just one of the, the final questions. So, is it truly a future-proof team? Is it is it ever achievable, or uh, should companies accept that you know as as technology moves at, at such a, an extraordinarily fast rate, um, must we expect teams? to change, adapt, and evolve? Yeah, I mean, change is, is the only constant. And there's so much disruption so much new technology so many new technologies in the in this in this space um, that it, it is critical for companies to constantly invest and review uh, their program uh, for training and and for exploring new technologies i would even go as far as, as saying that in its essence uh, software programming is really about learning it is really about constantly learning about the business about the new technologies about the platform um, about about how to better train, how to do a better job at hiring. It's, it's really about constant learning. That's, that's what it comes down to. 
No, f- f- fantastic. So listen, uh, Charles, thank you. Thank you very much for, for your time. It's, it's, it's been uh, really interesting. And uh, I, I look forward to, to seeing what new fantastic uh, technologies Uber brings. Um, so probably in a couple of years, I'll be driving, I'll be in an Uber and the, 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 there won't be a driver. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's really interesting times, you know. So, so, so thank, once again, thank you very, very much, Charles. Yes, thank you very much, Dan. One of the, the, the key things that, that really jumped out at me with, with the interview, um, I, 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 was, I was not happy, but, but in a way it was quite interesting that even Uber have issues in attracting the right people. Um, so I, I've, I, I've really learned something um, when he spoke about that you need to sell them on, on the vision. It's something I'm going to introduce um, in, the, um, in the financial services area when I'm looking to attract uh, a talent. Um, sell them on the vision. Rene, I thought it was quite interesting as well the, the, the approach that Uber have of building teams, um, especially all of the conversations we had around cloud native. Did, did you get any insight into that for, from the interview? Uh, uh, yes, and, and by the way, I do agree with, uh, with you and Charles that you know, attracting, a key part of attracting is selling the talent on the vision, what they're doing, making it more meaningful and impactful to them. So that, that's uh, clearly a, a key path towards uh, so the building the team. And then, you know, I know you talked all about building the team, developing the team, but before, you know, one, one perspective I have in building the team is you got to make sure you got the right people, right? And so what the right people means is uh, it has to be driven by the kind of work and the culture that you want to have. And it's especially different for cloud native. And when you look at cloud native, if you break down cloud native, the, the, the things that you do, you're doing agile, domain-driven design, behavior-driven development, and DevOps, all this type of work requires a multi-skilled talent, right? It requires cross-functional teaming. At the same time, you need all these team members to play well together, actually more towards high-performance teaming. And all of them exhibit, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, about having a, a generative culture. Um, so you need to have folks who could demonstrate or who behave from that standpoint. So, so what does that mean if you're looking for the right talent, uh, the right people? So you got to look for people who are positive, forward thinking, willing to take risks, always learning. And I think the two most critical ones I touched on is uh, multidisciplinary and collaborative. So I think collaborative is pretty self-explanatory, but in terms of uh, what I meant by multidisciplinary, so you're looking for for members who are multifaceted. In the case of cloud native, you want somebody who could do you know, business as well as technical. So you're looking for developers who could wear multiple hats. They could be a developer, they could be a BA actually. They should be understand the business architecture, business modeling. They should be able to do testing. So you need folks like that. And uh, so when you do some hiring, you look for that, right? So when I hire for a college grad, I not only look for the, their technical skills, they have the right technical degree, but I look at their extracurricular activities and work experience. Have they done anything non-technical uh, in a meaningful fashion? And have they worked well in, in teams in that way? So the same thing if you're building the team from existing employees. You look for employees who have track record of learning um, and trying out new stuff. So that's what you look for. So I think in building the team, you got to have the first the right talent. Yeah, absolutely. This is what we. This is what we find. Um, the any guy who's a top talent, he he's worked with other other guys who he he can re- recommend. 
and, and top talent, you know, people have a tendency to, to actually go work with guys who've inspired them previously. So it's, 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 it's a technique that we, we use. Um, but one of the things when, when people, um, when their skills improve in, in this area, there, there's a huge, huge demand for cloud native developers and people who have these skills. So afterwards trying to retain this talent sometimes can be a challenge. So we always have to, to keep them on, on really, really interesting projects, but then some, some projects are, uh, are not as interesting. So um, we, we've kind of had that problem sometimes to try and retain some of this top talent, especially the junior guys who've, who've, who've learned, learned quite quickly, who are then uh, attracted to, to maybe you know, more startup type companies who, who are offering them you know, um, very attractive packages. I mean, do you, do you find that all, also, you know, attracting talent is one thing, but also trying to retain talent. Did you, do you face a similar challenge to that, Rene? Oh, abso absolutely. I mean, clearly attracting talent is hard, right? And uh, it's actually refreshing that, that Uber, they face the same thing, right? It's not just uh, us or our clients, uh, but finding good talent is always hard. But to your point, I mean, the other challenge, the next big challenge is keeping them. And I think you and Charles talked a little bit about using training to do that, right? Uh, I think you touched on making sure the work is interesting, but training is a key part, and I completely agree um, with what you, you, you both talked about, and, and specifically what Charles talked about. You know, training needs to be broader as well as multifaceted. You know, it needs to be on the technologies and domains that matter uh, to you, right, to your, to, your, uh, to your business. But it also needs to give room to employees to do what they care about or where they want to go or how they want to develop themselves. You know, for instance, you may... You may have a developer who really wants to, you know, to enhance their communication skills. So maybe they could take an acting or improv class. I know I did that when uh, in my younger days because I wanted to improve my presentation skills. And I, I totally agree that you know it can't just be um, one form. It can't just be online training or classroom training. It could be. Um, I think he called it on-the-go training, right? So learning through hackathons, training through pair programming, training through meetups. Uh, uh, is good, and I think I think at the same time I think uh, the importance of having uh, like different challenges, different projects, job rotation, project rotation would be good. And then one final thing is in terms of um, if you really think about who the critical mass of the workforce for cloud native, these folks are in their 20s and 30s, and so you really and if you think about who are in the 20s and 30s, they call these folks millennials, right? So I'm obviously not part of that crowd, uh, a little bit older, but uh, you know, the millennials, so you have to think about how you retain millennials. So they, they think differently, they value things differently. And I know I've seen so many studies about how to motivate and how to keep millennials. And let me just highlight some key ones that I've read. So, you know, like 88% of them prefer collaborative work culture versus competitive. And I think this is because they all grew up with social networks, right? And they like to be connected with their peers. They want to talk about their experiences. So, so that's a good implication for us and for our clients, right? That they, they need to make sure it, that the culture, the work environment is not competitive, right? It has to be all working together, collaborative, and so on. Um, the other is they like flexible work schedule. They like to be able to work at home. I guess uh, last time we talked about, uh, you know, vacation or workations or staycations, right? They like to do that. They actually want to combine work and uh, pleasure. And then finally, I think 
you and Charles talked about, and I think Charles always emphasized on the, the interview, the, 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 the importance of giving the millennials a sense of purpose. So these, the millennials want to make sure they're making an impact. So whatever they do, it has to be meaningful. So obviously that's a key part in attracting them as well as keeping them. Very interesting. Um, one of the challenges when, when we're building teams here, um, and it's, it's, it's something I, I want to talk to you about, is the, the different cultures that we face across Europe. Um, so some of, the, some of the, um, the different customers I work with, we, we have customers in France, we have customers in, in Netherlands, in the UK, Spain. And one of the challenges we have sometimes is um, we're att attracting the right people. Normally we attract you know, high profile people at, at the very start to help us build teams. But afterwards we have to maybe train some of the, the people that we hire. Um, and some of the trainers are, are English speaking, the material is English speaking. So we face that challenge across the, you know, the, the different countries with the different languages and also the, the, the different cultures. Um, so some, some cultures, they adapt differently to some of the, the training techniques and methods uh, that we have. So it's, um, I, I don't think that's a, the same challenge. Do you have that sim a similar challenge to that in, in the U.S., Rene? Um, I think in the U.S., um, uh, we're fortunate that we have English language, so uh, that we everybody universally use, of course. And so we, the language is not there. Culture-wise, it's actually a more interesting point about culture. I, I know it's not more about you know, country by country culture, but I think it's more culture within the organization that's, that's interesting. Uh, for us so that you know I think the big change that we always see with clients is when you're going cloud native it's a totally way of doing different things so it, the culture challenge is more the old way versus the new way of doing things right um, but I, but I think you touched on an interesting point I think you, you start on the key strategic hires anchor hires because you know when you do that you know you know these anchor hires would tend to attract similar people so that, in a way, may also neutralize um, um, in terms of making sure, uh, well, that would neutralize a little bit of the, the, the differences in culture, right, and uh, the language. I mean, so because the, the, the anchor stars would uh, probably attract the local talent, you know, if they're well known in the, the local markets. Absolutely. Um, it's it's uh, attracting these guys as well, um, inspiring them. So I think looking for leaders, we, we've looked to, to identify you know, leaders in a particular area. And th these leaders, they normally, as they've been working in, in other different projects in their previous work, um, you know, more, the more juniors are, are, are attracted to, to the skill set that they have. Um, so, so, so this is the, an, an approach that we've had as quote and, and, and choose the, the, you know, the thought leaders in, in the cloud native area. You know, it is difficult to, to maybe sometimes to attract them to a, a legacy industry uh, like banking. Um, but, I, you know, I've taken a bit of inspiration from the interview with Charles, where if, if you can sell them the vision, if you can basically say, well, we are now taking banks and, and moving them to, to, to you know, the next generation. And if that you're going to be a part of this, um, it, it's something really, really exciting. You know, how do you, it's, it's going to be a challenge, of course. You, you know, you're taking some core systems that have probably been designed in the 70s on mainframe. So how do you, how do you actually you know, do that migration? So you, you need people with, with vision, with enthusiasm, um, people who are not afraid to, to roll up their sleeves, people who are willing to work um, you know, well in a team, people who can actually communicate well. So um, I think 
this is, is what we're looking for as, as we build up our, our skills across Europe. If we're speaking about teams, um, something I get asked quite a bit, um, it, 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 and, you know, the relationship between DevOps and cloud and cloud native development. So, you know, what sort of changes should our IT leaders um, put in place to um, when you're talking about cloud native um, and you know, understanding the importance of of a really solid DevOps uh, underneath. Um, I mean, in the in the in the cloud native comes of age um, survey that, that we did at Capgemini, um, seventy eight percent of the survey, um, the executives agree that the number one key driver behind a cloud native strategy is improving business agility, um, and this agility um, is only realised um, when you have um, a good uh, DevOps structure and good DevOps teams in place. Um, is 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 that something when when you're doing when you're involved in, in a cloud native? Um, project, Rene. Have you have you have you firstly had to create DevOps teams, or is is there a base layer that that, that needs to be to be defined before you can really successfully implement um, a cloud native development? Absolutely, and there is nothing more frustrating to millennials than bureaucracy or waiting. Right. So, what that's what basically DevOps is trying to address is reduce the wait time. Uh, be able to do faster releases, shorter releases, more frequent releases in terms of developing new features, making changes, and so on. You know, DevOps, uh, I completely agree with you, it's one of those foundational aspects of going cloud native. Uh, I think I mentioned some of them earlier, doing agile, behavior-driven development, uh, domain-driven design, and DevOps. These are key work practices that I think if you have it in place, uh, you know what, you'll attract people, saying if you have it in place and you're doing it well, you'll attract people and you'll, you'll keep people. So how about you, Dan, in Europe? Is it something that's critical uh, for cloud native there, DevOps? Yeah, it is, it's, it, it's, it's one of the, the, the key things that we, we nearly need, need to put in place at the start, um, especially working with, some, with the, banking, um, you know, the, the banking industry. I mean, typically any change in maybe a core banking solution there's a, a kind of a, re a release train maybe every six months or, or sometimes every year, um, which is qu quite different to some of the terminology that, that we talk about when we talk about cloud native. Uh, we talk about building a CI CD pipeline, um, you know, making changes and, and them being put in, you know, maybe once, once a week, maybe, maybe twice, three times a week. So, so that's a big shift in, in the mindset. Um, so, and it, it's something that, that, that we need to, to, to introduce. And especially now that we see that we're, we're opening up, the banks are opening up their, their API channels with PSD2 um, and, and, and looking to build an API economy. So with an API economy, you know, maybe some of the APIs, when they're being monitored, you know, aren't being used. So there's, there's a need to change. So, so this need for business agility, this need to change, um, re requires um, DevOps teams where, where the flow is going all the way through to production. Um, so putting that in place at the start is, is, is something really, really important. Um, and and so, so the first part of the journey sometimes is, is doing that educational part because, you know, there's a whole load of, of, of terminology that needs to be explained. You know, what is domain-driven design? You know, what is behavior-driven development? So some of these terms and, and, and this way of, of working is, 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 is not that familiar with, with some of the, with more, the more traditional industries like banking and, and insurance. Yeah, I think, Dan, absolutely. I think, um, 
In terms of uh, guiding the teams, I mean, recently I was involved with a, a global bank and they're novices in microservices and cloud native. And so what we suggested to them is we created the sort of an incubation or jumpstart phase where we spent time training them on some of these uh, uh, approaches in cloud native. So we trained them on um, domain-driven design, how to do BDD. And we talked to them about DevOps, how they need to set that up. So personally, I actually did the, the domain-driven design part. I actually ran some uh, event storming sessions. And interestingly enough, they initially when they were doing microservices, they were thinking use case-driven, process-oriented, but after they, they did event storming, they could never turn back. Now they'll use that technique to help them find the right microservices. So, but to your point, yeah, that's key. It's really helping clients uh, sometimes jumpstart, and maybe that's something for our clients and listeners to think about, is uh, how do you do that, right? Because uh, it's easy, easy to read stuff, read books, watch videos about DevOps, BDD, DDD, but it's hard to do. But the only way to get going is to just do it and maybe, you know, have some kind of incubation development phase to do it. You know, you kind of, it's one of those things, you got to build the muscle. It takes time to build the muscle. <laughs> well, but book, book a flight to Netherlands because I, I've been asked to do a, a workshop to explain some of this terminology in a couple of weeks. So um, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be paying your flight to, to come to, to, to the Netherlands in, in a few weeks. So. <laughs> I'll be happy to help. <laughs> Dan, you and I can talk hours about DevOps, but we've come to a close to our fourth podcast. We will be back next time to talk about the secrets of success and how the best in breed do it. And for this, uh, we'll be talking to Adrian Cockcroft from AWS. In the meantime, if any of you have any questions, uh, please feel free to contact me on Twitter at Renee Claudio, one word, and uh, O is a zero. And you can tweet me also, Dan O'Riordan, at Dan O'Riordan. You can read the full research report on cloud native applications and our recommendations on how to make the move to cloud native a success. And this is all in our report, Cloud Native Comes of Age, and you can find it at www.capgemini.com forward slash cloud native. Thank you.